Doing a daily Bible devotional has been the best thing that I've done for myself. My time in the Old Testament only proves to me again and again and again that the heart of man is deceitfully wicked above all things. When I'm reading the New Testament, I read it within the context of when Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Everything in the New Testament is just an expansion of one of those two thoughts. Those are the two lenses through which I think with my mouth open as I read through the Old and New Testaments. Join me, won't you, for another adventure in Coffee, the Bible, and Page. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to another episode of Coffee, the Bible, and Page. I am Page, your caffeine-imbued host. Here's my coffee. And they all said, in the beginning, coffee. And lo, it was very good. Sometimes these morning devotions are so funny. I, I just have had like half a dozen false starts getting ready to do this thing. And I go through my... You know, my entry spiel, you know, welcome to another episode of Coffee, the Bible, and Page, yada, yada, yada. And then I realize, oh, I've left the camera off, or do it again. Oh, the camera's pointed in a slightly wrong direction. Oh, wait, I've got the wrong screen up. Oh, all right, we finally got it under control. This is the way it's going to be. I got it. We're nailing this thing. Today, we're going to continue our jaunt into the story of David, and it's going to be the beginning of a really hard time for him, a dark period. Uh, I'll discuss more of that after we finish reading it, but without any further ado, let's uh, let's get started and let's see what we can come up with with the story of David. Then David fled from Naoth at Ramah and went to Jonathan and asked, what have I done? What's my crime? How have I wronged your father that he's trying to kill me? Never, Jonathan replied. You're not going to die. Look, my father doesn't do anything great or small without letting me know. Why would he hide this from me? It isn't so. Apparently, Jonathan is a little ignorant of the facts of the matter. And he's unaware of Saul's recent attempts on David's life. Um, and he's still under the impression that his father told him the truth in the previous chapter when Saul told Jonathan, as surely as the Lord lives, David will not be put to death. So Saul, Jonathan's a bit in the dark. But David took an oath and said, your father knows very well that I found favor in your eyes. And he said to himself, Jonathan must not know this or he will be grieved. Yet as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, there's only one step between me and death. Jonathan said to David, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it for you. So David said, look, tomorrow is a new moon feast, and I'm supposed to dine with the king. But let me go and hide in the field until the evening of the day after tomorrow. And if your father misses me at all, tell him. David earnestly asked my permission to hurry to Bethlehem, his hometown, because an annual sacrifice is being made there for his whole clan. If he says, very well then your servant is safe. But if he loses his temper, you can be sure that he's determined to harm me. As for you, show kindness to your servant, for you have brought him into a covenant with you before the Lord. If I'm guilty, then kill me yourself. 
Why hand me over to your father? Interesting thought here. David is referring to Jonathan. When talking Jonathan, he refers to himself as Jonathan's servant. It's a it's a mark of humility. And even though God has told David, David's going to be king, and David knows Jonathan is not going to be king, in humility, he still defers to Jonathan as the heir apparent to the throne. You know, we've talked about this before, how, uh, especially when we just went through the series in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, about if you're truly a believer, you will act like it. Being a believer in Christ, being a believer in God, isn't just a matter of knowing the right creed. It's not being able to recite the right scriptures or to recite the right beliefs. It has to be backed up by how you live. And the mark of a follower of God is humility. Now, that's not lack of confidence. Um, I have a lot of confidence in my ability as a musician. But God has taught me humility as a musician. And perhaps one of the greatest examples of that would be locally... Uh, well, actually, almost everywhere I've gone in the bluegrass community, you can be a rank-and-file beginner as a player. And you have respect of people who are in the picking circle. No matter what your skill level is, almost everywhere I've gone in the bluegrass community, if you're a beginner or an advanced player, they all treat you with deference and respect and it's something that's drawn me to that world even though I'm not a great bluegrass player probably never will be I love being in the bluegrass community because there's a sense of humility there that sometimes is missing in other in other places in the music world David is showing humility here as for you he says show kindness to your servant for you have brought him into a covenant with you before the Lord. If I'm guilty, kill me yourself. Jonathan exclaims, Never! If I had the least inkling that my father was determined to harm you, wouldn't I tell you? Jonathan still is in the dark here. David asked, Who will tell me if your father answers you harshly? Come. Jonathan said, Let's go out into the field. So they went out there together, and Jonathan said to David, I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, that I will surely sound out my father by this time, the day after tomorrow. If he is favorably disposed towards you, will I not send you word and let you know? But if my father intends to harm you, may the Lord deal with Jonathan, be it ever so severely, if I do not let you know and send you away in peace. May the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. Even though Saul wasn't walking with God, Jonathan still ascribes Saul's position to God. God made Saul king. May the Lord be with you as he's been with my father. Show me unfailing kindness like the Lord's kindness as long as I live, so that I may not be killed. In other words, David, when you come into your kingship, don't do what other kings do and kill off the descendants of the previous king to do away with rivals. Don't do that. 
And do not ever cut off your kindness from my family, not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord call David's enemies to account. And Jonathan had David reaffirm his oath out of love for him because he loved him as he loved himself. Then Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is a new moon feast. You'll be missed because your seat will be empty. The day after tomorrow, towards evening, go to the place where you hid when this trouble began and wait by the stone is out. So I will shoot three arrows to the side of it as though I were shooting at a target. Then I will send a boy and say, go find the arrows. If I say to him, look, the arrows are on this side of you. Bring them here. Then you come. Because as surely as the Lord lives, you're safe. There's no danger. But if I say to the boy, look, the arrows are beyond you. Then you must go because the Lord has sent you away. And about the matter you and I discussed, remember, the Lord is witness between you and me forever. Again, referring to the covenant between Jonathan and David. So David hid in the field, and when the new moon feast came, the king sat down to eat. He sat in his customary place by the wall opposite Jonathan. He liked to sit with his back to the wall, just so he could see anybody that's coming into the room. Abner sat next to Saul, but David's place was empty. Saul said nothing that day, for he thought something must have happened to David to make him ceremonially unclean. Surely he is unclean. But the next day, the second day of the month, David's place was empty again. Then Saul said to his son Jonathan, Why hasn't the son of Jesse come to the meal, either yesterday or today? Jonathan answered, David earnestly asked me for permission to go to Bethlehem. He said, Let me go because our family's observing a sacrifice in the town, and my brother has ordered me to be there. If I have found favor in your eyes, let me get away to see my brothers. That is why he hasn't come to the king's table. Saul's anger flared up at Jonathan. He said to him, You son of a perverse and rebellious woman. Don't I know that you sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of the mother who bore you? As long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send someone to bring him to me, for he must die. Why should he be put to death? What has he done? Jonathan asked his father. But Saul hurled his spear at him, Jonathan, to kill him. Then Jonathan knew that his father intended to kill David. Jonathan got up from the table in fierce anger. On that second day of the feast, he did not eat because he was grieved at his father's shameful treatment of David. In the morning, Jonathan went out to the field for his meeting with David. He had a small boy with him, and he said to the boy, Run and find the arrows I shoot. And as the boy ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. And when the boy came to the place where Jonathan's arrow had fallen, Jonathan called out after him, Isn't the arrow beyond you? Then he shouted, Hurry, go quickly, don't stop. The boy picked up the arrow and returned to his master. Now, the boy knew nothing at all about any of this. Only Jonathan and David knew. Then Jonathan gave his weapons to the boy and said, Go, carry them back to town. After the boy had gone, David got up from the south side of the stone and bowed down after Jonathan bowed down before Jonathan three times with his face to the ground, and they kissed each other and wept together, but David wept the most. Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left, and Jonathan went back to the town. All right. First of all, this would be the last time Jonathan and David saw each other. I think there might be one more time, but 
for the, all intents and purposes, their time of fellowshipping together and being friends, um, it was done. And David, from this moment on, was officially on the run from Saul. This is going to, like I said, this is going to begin a period of time for David, about seven, six to seven years. Now think about that for a second. Six to seven years, he was going to be a refugee. He was going to be a criminal. He's going to be an outlaw. He was going to be uh, hounded and hunted by Saul, the king of Israel. So, remember our timeline, um, which says he was in exile for like six or seven years before, before Saul died, before he became king? That's this period we're getting ready to talk about. Just think about this for a second. When he was 12, the Lord's prophet, the last great judge of Israel, Samuel, came to his house and anointed him with oil, telling him, you are going to be the next king of Israel. That'd be a pretty big deal, right? You're 12 years old and you're told you're going to be king. Like any 12-year-old boy, think about your imagination, what it must, what you must have thought and how incredible that announcement was. You've won the lottery. You're going to be king of Israel. And then he defeats Goliath when he's like 13 or 14 maybe. Think about that for a second. He defeats the Philistines' mightiest soldier with a sling, cuts his head off. And his performance was so amazing that it it caught Saul's attention. Saul couldn't believe what he was seeing. This his harpist boy that had he had basically brought into his court to play harp for him when he would go through his bouts of insanity. Uh, had just killed the mightiest warrior. He had done something that no warrior in Israel had dared to attempt, and he did it without a sword. He did it with the sling. Think about the headiness of that moment. 13 and 14 years old, killing the enemy's mightiest warrior. Think of the celebrations. Think of how people would speak of him. Uh, and then when he became 20, uh, he became a permanent member of Saul's army, a general, and he would go out into battle, and he was incredibly successful in battle, so much so that the people would say, Saul has killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands. He was a rock star. He was celebrated by the entire nation, the entire nation who knew who this David was. And Saul started to get jealous because between, just before he had anointed David, Saul, Saul, Samuel had told Saul that your kingdom will not go to your son. Your kingdom will end. Your reign will end with you. There will be no dynasty. And God has already selected the next king. So here's this young man who is apparently a military genius and a mighty, mighty warrior. And you get the picture that Saul is trying to pick up that maybe David is going to be the next king selected by God. And so he sets out on a campaign to kill David. Now, 
he's having bouts of insanity, Saul is. So maybe he's he's losing his mind and in, in his rage, he tries to kill David and it gets worse and worse and worse. David becomes close friends with the king's son. David marries the king's daughter. All the while, Saul is becoming angrier and more unstable and more unstable and more unstable. Finally, David has to leave his wife, Michael, behind, and he heads out into the wilderness, and that's where the story is going to start tomorrow. Gone from being the future king of Israel to being an outlaw. I know David had faith in God. You read his Psalms and you understand that. But just think about the reality of what it must have felt like to one moment be the rock star of Israel, to to be the, its mightiest warrior, a powerful general. The troops loved him. The people loved him. And in the very next breath, you're an outlaw. You're a fugitive. You're a criminal. And David had no idea how long this was going to be. It might have felt like it was just going to be like this forever, and he was going to have to continually run away from Saul. But David had faith, and you're going to see that as we go on. But still, just don't forget that David was at the top of his game, and now he is a common criminal. I kind of know what that feels like, not to that extent, but when I went through personal bankruptcy, 2001, 2002, um, I lost nearly everything. I had gone from a job where I, I had importance, I had significance, I was a manager of a um, network design team that did great work. Uh, we design, helped design the network that got the Olympics from Sydney, Australia to all around the world over our satellites. Um, it was no small accomplishment. It was amazing. And I had significance. And then within a few short months, I had nothing. I'd lost my job, my salary, almost lost my house, hung onto my house long enough so that I could uh, pay off my bankruptcy and get out from underneath that. But I started over. I was in my late 40s starting over. And um, going through that, I had no guarantee in my heart, emotionally speaking, that I was going to recover from this. It was pretty devastating. Now, the difference between David and me is that David's issues were totally inflicted upon him by Saul, by an outside person, outside force. My issues were self-inflicted. I remember at that time, somebody came up to me and said, Paige, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that the enemy quit messing with you and I'm, I'm coming against Satan in the name of Jesus. And I stopped them. I said, Yo, please pray for me. That's awesome. But know this, my issues are my fault. 
Yes, the enemy had something to do with it, obviously. But it was something I willingly entered into. Something I willingly did to myself. But David, the unjustness of what happened to him was totally inflicted on him by the most powerful man in the land. The king himself came after David. David proved himself again and again in the battlefield. He proved himself against Goliath. He proved himself as a general in the army. He was successful. He was powerful. He was charismatic. He was everything. He was a poster child for Israel and its army. But the king feared him and despised him. And the king inflicted all this damage on David. So from in David's situation, I doubt seriously if you can imagine a more unjust situation for somebody to be dealing with than what David dealt with. Anointed king at 12. Kills a giant, 13 or 14. Becomes a general at the age of 20. Wildly successful on the battlefield. And then marries the king's daughter. Becomes best friends with the king's son. And in seemingly overnight, he's a pariah. David is getting ready to enter a dark, dark time. And we're going to see how he handles that. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing what God has to show me in this story of David and what he's going to go through. What he's shown me about me so far in all this is that no matter how dark the time is that you're in right now, there is an end to it. God is the author of our stories. I've said this again and again and again. He has written your story already. He's written my story. He knows the beginning from the end. I don't. I'm living my life a page at a time. God knows the end of my story. And he's given us a few hints. He tells the prophet, I know the plans I have for you. They're good plans, not for evil. So we know that the end of our story as believers in God are going to be a good, it's going to be a good ending. It's a great ending. But God's taking us through a time and we only get to see it a page or a chapter or a paragraph at a time. David is getting ready to enter the darkest story of his life. But David has faith, and he knows that God is waiting for him at the other end of this. So I can think that's a good place to stop. So I'm just going to uh, suck up some more coffee. Mm. Folks, I'm out of here. God bless you. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. So, what did you think about today's Bible devotional? Email me and let me know your thoughts at ffog at me.com.